The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. Catch us live weekdays at 1 Eastern on Bloomberg.com, the iHeartRadio app, and the Bloomberg Business app. Or listen on demand wherever you get your podcasts. Therefore, the Honorable Mike Johnson of the state of Louisiana, having received a majority of the votes cast, is duly elected Speaker of the House of Representatives for the 118th Congress. There it is. Well, at least half the room on its feet, as it's made official here. Republicans applauding following 22 days of chaos without a Speaker of the House. Patrick McHenry enjoying his final moments as the keeper of the gavel in the Speaker's rostrum. Live sound from the House floor. Here on Bloomberg Radio, I'm Joe Matthew in Washington as we spend time uh, with our panel, Jim Kessler and Lisa Camuso-Miller and Bloomberg's Gregory Cordy with me in studio here on a day that I'm guessing, tell me if I'm wrong, Gregory, Mike Johnson couldn't have imagined even last weekend. That's exactly what I was going through in my mind. And his world's about to change. As, as we've said, he's now second in line to the presidency after Vice President Kamala Harris. Yeah. He will. He has now instantaneously got a security detail that he hasn't gotten before because he is now in that line of succession. He's going to have to be read in on some of the nation's most sensitive secrets. Things he's never heard before. Things he's never heard before. Uh, things that he needs to know, frankly. Uh, he is on the Armed Services Committee, but doesn't have particular background in, in intelligence mm-hmm. and, and foreign affairs. So he will have to uh, to uh, get up to speed on that. And as we've been talking about, he's got to bring a, a, not only a fractured uh, Republican conference together, but now he's got to reach out to Hakeem Jeffries, the minority leader. Mm-hmm. He's got to reach out to the Senate, uh, Mitch McConnell uh, and and Chuck Schumer in, in the Senate. He's part of that gang of four now. Yes, right. Uh, and at, at some point, he's He's got to pick up the phone. The White House. I would expect Joe Biden may already uh, be lining up that phone call. Uh, that's it, yeah. one thing that we know that President Biden is is very good about mm-hmm. is making these sort of congratulatory calls. I would expect right. that to happen before the afternoon is over mm-hmm. to introduce each other. And yeah, so this is now a, a guy that none of us knew much about uh, just a couple of days ago, maybe even until last night, that uh, now is going to be part of the the regular conversation in Washington, D.C. Incredible stuff. Uh, Lisa, you mentioned having worked for the Speaker. You've got a staff of about 35. When does the hiring begin? Uh, almost immediately. But the good news is that there's lots of really talented people on Capitol Hill that know how this works and know how the, the process comes together. And the great news for the new speaker is that, that those people are available and willing to help help it make him be successful. And so that alone uh, gives a lot of confidence to something someone like him to know that there are great, talented people on uh, the leadership staff that already can be very supportive to him. He's going to have a seamless transition. That's the one thing I can be certain of because I know how talented those people mm-hmm. are. They are the unsung heroes of the 
last three weeks that have been working day and night to make sure that this thing happened uh, unsuccessfully a few times over. But it'll be interesting. And I think um, it'll be a positive direction for the for the House going forward. Hey, Jim, Speaker Johnson uh, is going to have to work with the leader next door. That would be your former boss, Chuck Schumer. How soon do these two get together? I imagine it's going to happen very quickly. And there's some serious work that needs to be done. And, you know, as we remarked on earlier, Leader McConnell and Leader Schumer are in roughly the same place, same with Jeffries, same with Biden. So, in some ways, it's four against one here. And, you know, I think Mike Johnson's going to have to figure out a way to get his, you know, what he needs out of this, but also move these just critical spending bills and pieces of legislation forward at this remarkably critical time in the world right now. All right. Uh, Many thanks to our panel for a marathon session here. Jim Kessler at Third Way, Lisa Camuso Miller at Reset Public Affairs. Many thanks for your insights and bringing your experience to us here. They're good friends of the program and awfully glad that you could be with us through this. Who knew starting an hour ago that we would experience all of this together? Lisa and Jim Many thanks to you. And Gregory Cordy, uh, we talk about hiring up here, setting up the office. Then there's the matter of actual business. What's going to be the priority, a continuing resolution or the supplemental funding for Israel and Ukraine? Well, I mean, one thing even before that is the clock starts ticking right now of 48 hours on a privilege resolution to expel George Santos, one of the <laughs> one of the little thorns in the side of, so of the past the Republican business. It, it actually is wow. under House rules. Uh, it, it's privileged. So it, it has to come to a vote at the time of the speaker's choosing. Yeah. Now that we have a speaker, but within the next 48 hours. And of course, you know, this was a difficult problem for Kevin McCarthy because he relied on George Santos's vote. But his is a congressman from New York who's under under indictment. We all know this saga, right? This is a, another one of the soap operas that we've had uh, in, in this year in Congress. Yep. So that's actually one of the first four orders of business. Then we have a little bit of time uh, until the middle of next month to, to pass a spending bill. So I would have to think that the, the, the supplemental uh, for Israel and Ukraine takes top priority, mm-hmm. uh, but that's also politically tricky. Do, do those advances one bill, as the president certainly would like, yeah, right. because the support for Israel is a lot more popular than support for Ukraine, and maybe Ukraine can come along for the ride. But that's one of the issues that was forcing this chaos in the Republican mm-hmm. conference is where where these speaker candidates were on that question was a decisive uh, factor that may have killed some of these previous speaker candidates. Gregory, many thanks for being with us here in the clutch, as always. Gregory Cordy, great to have you. Bloomberg Politics reporter. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington as we bring you live to the Capitol once again here. If you're with us on YouTube, you've been seeing the House floor. Let's go outdoors now. Bloomberg's Kaylee Lines is just outside the chamber, and I suspect we'll be talking to a lot of lawmakers in just a matter of moments. But she's ours first right now. Kaylee, what's the vibe out there now that this is official? Well, there's definitely a sense of relief, especially for all the reporters out here with me who have been at this now for weeks, Joe, out here each and every day trying to figure out who the next Speaker of the House will be. But of course, now we know it's Mike Johnson. We actually are expecting that he may speak to press later on. They're setting up a press conference just behind me. So we'll hear from uh, the now Speaker himself shortly. But I would imagine, and as we wait for more lawmakers to come down the steps, that there is going to be a bit of a sigh of relief that this battle is actually over. The House has a Speaker and they can get back to the business of legislating. 
escalating. Well, that's right. Um, to your point, though, we have to go through a few stages before we get to actual governance, and that includes uh, delivering a message. This is going to be an outdoor news conference. Kaylee, will there be a big crowd? Will he have the conference behind him, or do we have yet to learn all of these things? We have yet to learn exactly who's going to be in front of the mics. What I can tell you is behind the mics, there is a lot of TV cameras. There's ropes going up. There are reporters crawling all around here getting ready uh, to ask questions of now Speaker Johnson. So I would imagine the crowd is going to be pretty big as this is a historic day. The 56th Speaker of the House has been elected after Absolutely. 20, more than three weeks uh, without one. And there's going to be some pretty pr pressing questions for him, given as you were just discussing until about 24 hours ago, a lot of people didn't even know who Mike Johnson was. And now the policy he wants to push forward is really going to matter not just for what happens here on Capitol Hill, but for the country as a whole. This is great uh, behind-the-scenes stuff here, especially if you're with us on YouTube. Uh, go there now. Search Bloomberg Global News and check this out. You'll see Kaylee outdoors. I'm also hearing producers counting down on their live shots next to you, Kaylee. And this is the this is the way it works. You can feel free to turn the cam or tell us what's happening here because this is the <laughs> gathering, the spontaneous gathering of reporters who come out of the trees practically for an event like this. Yeah, well, actually, just to remind my right, Joe, Congressman Bob Good of Virginia is huddling with a few of my uh, colleagues here. There's other ropes going on around <laughs> me, so I'm afraid I might get moved here in a second. Oh, as wow. They're trying to establish a perimeter, essentially, just in front of the steps to yeah. clear the way for where the podium is, where the speaker, uh, now speaker, is assumed uh, to be talking, and they're making gestures, so I'm just going to slowly start shifting to the side. <laughs> Please don't get arrested. We, we need you later. I don't later. know if you can see the rope. Uh, yeah. I'm glad I moved. <laughs> yes. Look at that. This is the real stuff. You won't see that on the cable news networks. Uh, you know, Kaylee, I suspect that staircase is going to be full of lawmakers in a bit. Do you have an ETA on the news conference? Yeah. Uh, it should be beginning shortly now that the vote has finally wrapped up. Once everything is gaveled and complete in there, we'll see how quickly around they will uh, turn this around and actually bring them outside and whether or not other members will be descending down the steps on their own or if everyone's going to come out together as a conference. We're all staying tuned for that, Joe, and I apologize for the taping sound. No. There's a lot of cords and plugs that go into an <laughs> sure. effort like this one. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll let you leave this awkward situation, Kaylee. Thank you for showing that to us. This is absolutely fascinating. You know, look, it's your backyard, but not everybody gets to see this every day. Just think of, like, these guys are going to be friends for life, these reporters who've been out there for 22 days. And Kaylee will have to introduce me <laughs> at some point to everyone she's met. Thank you, Kaylee. I'll see you back here in the bureau uh, for Balance of Power a bit later on. And, of course, Kaylee will bring us some of the sights and sounds uh, of what's about to happen on Capitol Hill. What a moment to have Libby Cantrell, the head of U.S. public policy at PIMCO. We've been talking about this for 22 days, and she's with us now. Your timing, as usual, is impeccable, Libby. We have a 56th Speaker of the House. I don't even know what to ask you first. Is the market sighing uh, a bit of relief here? I mean, I mean at long last, right, Joe? Um, even, yeah. even I think the, the markets haven't really been so focused on this. Obviously, um, this sort of collided with lots of other geopolitical um, and other issues happening, particularly in the U.S. Treasury market. Um, so I don't think the markets mm -hmm. have really been paying all that much attention to it. However, um, as we as we all know, not to kind of nerd out here a little bit, but we all know that the term premium uh, in the U.S. yield curve, uh, treasuries have backed up and that, that sort of elusive term premium can include a lot of things, um, including just concerns about the governance of the United States. 
And so, you know, you could argue that some of this backup in treasury yields that we've seen is at least in part due to these concerns about just the ability of Washington to function. So I guess in that respect, you would think that, yes, the markets would likely breathe a sigh of relief. Um, we can get into it, but there's also maybe some clarity around how we move forward on the government funding question as well. Okay. Well, what do you think about that? Because Mike Johnson uh, says he's willing to to grab that third rail called a continuing resolution, and it doesn't seem to be a problem for the conference the way it was for Kevin McCarthy. Can he actually do this? And this is the great irony, of course, is that what got uh, former Speaker McCarthy ousted was working with Democrats to pass that short-term stopgap funding bill. Yeah. And yet uh, now, um, I guess, Speaker-elect uh, Johnson has indicated that's exactly what he will do uh, as well in order to buy more time. Now, ironically, or maybe interestingly, he did not, um, Representative Johnson did not vote for that stopgap bill back in uh, late September. But to your <laughs> point, he has indicated uh, that uh, he does plan on passing um, a stopgap just to, again, to buy more time for the House to pass those single subject appropriations bills, which um, I think it's sort of a distinction without a difference for many people, for most people and the markets, um, but for many members of Congress, particularly among the House Freedom Caucus, that has been really a decisive uh, issue for them. They have wanted to uh, tackle appropriations and spending bills one at a time versus what is usual um, at the sort of minibus or omnibus where bills are all sort of stuck together and, and passed at the 11th hour. So, you know, we'll see. Um, you know, again, he his his sort of fiscal record is one more of austerity. Um, he has advocated for for spending cuts in many different respects. Um, again, he voted for he voted against that funding bill. He's voted against Ukraine funding uh, several times as as well. So this may not be a totally smooth glide path, but at least as of now, he is indicating that he will move forward in a way that certainly the markets will will appreciate. The President of the United States is speaking right now along with the Prime Minister of Australia on the other end of Pennsylvania Avenue. They're holding a bilateral news conference uh, that was set to start almost an hour ago at this point, Libby. Do you want to hear him address any of these yes, issues? Please. What does the market want to hear him say about a continuing resolution and about the supplemental budget request? Oh, about the President saying, yeah. I mean, of course, you know, the, yeah. I think what the market's going to be more in tune uh, to in terms of this meeting, you know, with one of our our closest allies, um, is probably around the question of China, um, and sort of how we move forward uh, together, you know, with Australia uh, on that issue. You know, I think that the president has been very clear that he uh, wants to avoid a government shutdown, that he will work with anybody who is in leadership uh, to to that end. Now, of course, this is a bit of a, an interesting dynamic because the speaker elect Johnson. You know, did not vote to certify the 2020 election. Um, so, you know, right off that, <laughs> that maybe puts things on a bit of a, an awkward foot. Um, but, you know, Biden is sort of a consummate legislator at heart. And um, I think he will work with whomever he needs to work with, you know, to get things to get things done. At least at least, at least that's what he will say, um, most likely. Mm -hmm. Spending time with Libby Cantrell, head of public policy, uh, at PIMCO with a Speaker of the House. It is actually official now. Mike Johnson voted uh, to be the 56th Speaker a short time ago in the House of Representatives. In their tallies, that the total number of votes cast is 429. 
of which the Honorable Mike Johnson of the state of Louisiana has re received 220 votes. And the Honorable Hakeem Jeffries of the State of New York has received 209 votes. Therefore, the Honorable Mike Johnson of the State of Louisiana, having received a majority of the votes cast, is duly elected Speaker of the House of Representatives for the 118th Congress. Yes, indeed. Patrick McHenry, don't be confused by what you're seeing on YouTube. That took place a short time ago, making it all official. Hakeem Jeffries, the minority leader, and obviously uh, Speaker Johnson now official. Libby, how important will it be for these two, Jeffries and Johnson, to show a united front? Or are we beyond that in Washington? Well, I will just say that the uh, Republicans seemed happy that <laughs> they finally uh, got to that threshold. I will just say, you know, commenting on that that latest clip that you played, um, they are, I think that, that folks were exhausted and they were frustrated and they just wanted to move forward. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, Representative Johnson, who most people don't know, I mean, many people on the Hill don't know him very well, but certainly um, kind of nationally, he doesn't have the same profile that certainly former Speaker McCarthy or Pelosi um, Pelosi had. Joe, in terms of your question about how important it is for, for the two of them to work together, I mean, clearly, you you know, it, it's important to have a uh, a working, constructive relationship with folks across the aisle. Um, Johnson it doesn't really he he just hasn't been sort of in the leadership mix, um, so it's difficult to sort of assess at this point, um, kind of what his approach will be working with Democrats. But as we have seen, kind of painfully over the last few weeks, and um, for many things, Republicans will need, and and Speaker Johnson, uh, Speaker Elect Johnson, will need. Uh, Democrats to 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 pass things and to advance, you know, the, the entire kind of nation's agenda. So it is important. Um, I do think there is some, you know, poisoning of the well here, however. Um, but, you know, I think that they will both sides will try to kind of move forward. I do think there is a um, Republican sort of there's a sense of urgency among Republicans to sort of move forward, focus on legislating, focus on kind of the business of the day and try to put this as far in the rearview mirror as as possible, and of course, we won't know what the political implications of all of this is until until next November. Do you have a sense that this is a speaker who can finish the job, or would suffer potentially the same fate as Kevin McCarthy? I mean, I do not want to even imagine that we would be back here again. I think that they. Would I don't either. Folks would I'm sure you don't. I mean, this is you know there are other things happening in the world, and this is not something that we've we've all been consumed with this. Um, you know, sort of regrettably, but um, you know, I think that they, I think folks will be incredibly reticent to use this, the motion to vacate again um, in this session of Congress. Now, Joe, as you, as you well know, though, there's just not that much time left in this Congress because practically in an election year, you know, most, um, both sides usually try to send their members home by kind of mid-summer to start campaigning and then only bring them back in the fall for kind of must-pass issues. So, this sort of idea that this might be a really productive 
um, Congress of legislating, which I don't think we really had anyway, but certainly we don't have that now just because we haven't even passed, you know, funding bills. There's the, you know, the farm bill, there's the NDAA. Um, then of course there's Ukraine and, and Israel funding as well. So they have a lot on their plate and I would assume that, you know, not much more than kind of the bare minimum gets done, gets done this Congress. The last thing I will say, which I think has been important to markets and I'm not sure folks should feel hopeful um, is energy permitting reform. That was, there's sort of a down payment, if you remember, um, in the debt ceiling deal was kind of a promise to address that later in this Congress. I think that with all of this, um, not, nobody should be, should be hopeful that there is a, a you know, big grand bargain on energy permitting reform. Now, you know, never say never, but at least at this point, mm-hmm. it doesn't, it doesn't look likely. Well, you point out in your notes of clients, winning is easy, governing is harder. And I'm sure he's about to get a sense of that if if he doesn't already here with the just the daunting amount of work that lies ahead. Uh, Libby, what do you make of, if anything, I don't know if this is a, a, an issue for the markets or one for you on a personal level, the, the comments around his attempts to overturn the 2020 election. Is that something that will follow him throughout his speakership or is that an issue that's being excised as we speak? So I think that the kind of the read through for the markets or the economy is just if it has political implications come 2024. And I think the way that it could, you know, potentially, and it's really too early to say, I think, I mean, as you know, Joe, a lot of times in Washington, folks are so breathless about something, um, how this is just going to be sort of existential, and then they just move on and no one even talks about it again. So, you know, I'm I'm a little bit um, uh, reticent about trying to draw too many political conclusions. But the market would care if there were political uh, consequences, this, particularly if it made the 18 Republicans who are defending House districts in those districts where President Biden won, so basically purplish districts, if you will, if it makes them mm-hmm. even more even more vulnerable going into 2024. And of course, as we now all painfully know, uh, you know, Republicans only have a five-seat majority. And so they only need to lose, you know, five seats in order to um, in order to lose the House. And of course, again, there's 18 districts. So I think that's kind of the tie-in. If having a very sort of you know more by his own admission conservative speaker who didn't vote to certify the 2020 election, does that make then these moderate de- moderate Republicans from the places like New York and California even more vulnerable going into 2024? And does that make the House vulnerable to flip to Democratic control. That will be an issue for the market mm-hmm. because, of course, the Trump tax cuts, among other fiscal issues, will be up in 2025. Boy, just imagine the fun that we're going to have here. At least we know who we're oh. going to be talking about for the next little bit here. Libby Cantrell, many thanks for being with us on this historic day. We have a speaker and, of course, the voice from PIMCO to back it up. It's great to see you, Libby, and thank you, as always, for joining us here on the fastest show in politics. It's certainly moving today in Washington as we balance stories on both ends of Pennsylvania Avenue. The breaker, of course, Mike Johnson, is now Speaker Johnson, the 56th Speaker And has the job officially following a protracted process that went through three nominees before we got to this one. 
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. Catch the program live weekdays at 1 Eastern on Bloomberg Radio, the TuneIn app, Bloomberg.com, and the Bloomberg Business app. You can also listen live on Amazon Alexa from our flagship New York station. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. If you're just joining us, we have a lot to catch up on. We now have a Speaker of the House. It actually happened. Mike Johnson, Speaker number 56, is official. He just spoke to the the House of Representatives, and we'll be speaking to reporters uh, momentarily. Support from the full conference, nothing like what we saw for Tom Emmer, Jim Jordan, Steve Scalise. Not a single no vote as he moves forward with the message of unity here in the Republican conference. We'll see if governing will follow. Apparently, uh, as Michael McCall told us over a week ago, the congressman who chairs the Foreign Affairs Committee in the House, the first order of business will be bringing a resolution to the floor condemning the terror attack by Hamas against Israel and supporting Israel as we move forward here. Separately, Joe Biden speaking earlier today uh, in a bilateral news conference with the Prime Minister of Australia, speaking to this uh, request for funding. And this is important because we've talked a lot about it through the guise of Israel and Ukraine. This is the $106 billion he's asking for in supplemental funds, but also send money to Taiwan and to our southern border for border security. But Bloomberg government uh, reminds us there's more to this as well. Uh, Inside that budget request also includes money for the submarine industrial base uh, as part of our alliance with Australia, remembering this uh, pact between the U.S., the U.K., and Australia uh, to counter China's military expansion. This would help to pay for that. And it's something that we want to talk about, among other issues, with Jennifer Welch, Bloomberg Economics Chief Geo-Economics Analyst. It's great to see you, Jennifer. Uh, As someone who, of course, comes out of the national security space, uh, we're juggling a lot of priorities here. But they all seem to be, when it comes to our defense, included in this supplemental budget request. How important is that money for the submarine program with Australia? Well, thanks so much again for having me on, Joe. It's a pleasure to be here. It's incredibly important. One of the challenges that AUKUS has faced, and this was brought up during the press conference that President Biden just had, was the issue of congressional support for it. And one of the main areas of concern for Congress has been the DIB issue, as you noted. And the problem there is that the submarine deal includes transferring Virginia-class subs to Australia. But right now, the United States is struggling to reach its goal of making two Virginia-class subs every year. You add on top of that the need to sustain our forces and to transfer to Australia. And there's a question there of whether or not we can do both these things at the same time. Hmm. Of course, we're asking for $60 billion for Ukraine. We're asking for billions more. Uh, in Israel. And the president did speak to the situation in Israel. Here's what he said, Jennifer, and we'll have you respond. This is Joe Biden a short time ago in the Rose Garden. The anger, the hurt, the, 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 the sense of outrage that the 
Israeli people are feeling after the brutally inflicted devastation by Hamas is completely understandable. Israel has the right, and I would add, responsibility to respond to the slaughter of their people. And we will ensure Israel has what it needs to defend itself against these terrorists. That's a guarantee. Yet we're asking Israel to slow its role and, in fact, delay the invasion of Gaza. Uh, The headline on the terminal, Biden asking Israel to delay ground war if it helps to free hostages. And there's been talk about a potential uh, release of more hostages here. Is that what we're waiting for Jenny, or, or are we potentially going to be in a world where there is no invasion of Gaza? That's a really good question. And it does seem to be a fast moving target in terms of you know what Israel is saying in terms of their plans for the ground offensive kind of changing day by day. Um, more recently, they've kind of moved away from referring to it as an invasion and more towards an operation saying that it's going to be a lot more targeted. Yeah. And I think there's a couple of factors at play. I think certainly the ongoing hostage negotiations are part of it. Certainly U.S. concerns are part of it. And as part of an effort to avoid this from becoming a broader regional conflict and kind of stir unrest across the Middle East. But I think Israeli forces are also very concerned about having to fight on multiple fronts. Already they're taking incoming from Hezbollah forces. I think there's some concern about whether or not they're they have the bandwidth, in particular, uh, air defense bandwidth, in order to manage um, additional incoming coming from Hezbollah if they start to increase the scale of their attacks to take advantage of a ground offensive. And then there's the complexity of the ground offensive itself. Uh, Gaza is obviously a very dense area. There's also the potential for many, many tunnels um, that we don't have great insight into for Hamas fighters to be hiding in. It could be a very dangerous operation. And I think the United States, as well as other partners, have been counseling Israel to really carefully plan that out and to plan out for what happens after the offensive. Their goal is to remove Hamas, but what happens after Hamas is gone? A lot of good questions here. The president saying earlier today in the Rose Garden, what I've indicated to him, by that he means Benjamin Netanyahu, is that if that's possible to get these folks out safely, that's what he should do. It's their decision. But of course, Benjamin Netanyahu uh, doesn't want to lose the U.S. in this fight. How closely is he listening to Joe Biden? You know, I would say compared to where we were soon after the October 7th attack and where we are today, again, that ground offensive hasn't happened. It seemed to be on the verge of it you know, several weeks ago now. Uh, We've seen Israel kind of budge a little bit on making sure aid is flowing into Gaza. We've seen them, you know, start to address concerns about civilian casualties, include coming out very clearly on the nature of the hospital attack that happened last week. So I do think that Israel is listening to the U.S. I think also U.S., Regional support has been helpful to sort of reassuring Israel, both the presence of U.S. forces in the region, as well as U.S. efforts to try and line up regional powers to at least, if not at the very least, support Israel, then to at least, you know, kind of decry the attack and and, um, not foment or add fire to the flame. So I think all of that is helping sort of take us down a step or two, at least temporarily in Mm -hmm. the conflict. But it remains to be seen, you know, where Israel goes from here. And I think the Biden administration is being very careful to at least publicly indicate that this is still very much uh, within Israel's agency rather than being directed by the U.S. That being said, I I think behind closed doors, the U.S. is is very much counseling Israel um, to approach this in a way that is both good for Israel strategically and in the long term, um, but also helps avoid further inflaming regional tensions. 
Jenny Welch helps to advise our Bloomberg economics team here in Washington. And it's great to have you back, Jenny. Thank you for the insights. Jenny Welch at Bloomberg with us on Sound On. As we move forward here with a speaker of the House, Dare to Dream. It's true. If you're just joining us, Joe Biden will soon be talking to Speaker Mike Johnson. We'll let you know when that phone call takes place. Thanks for listening to the Sound On podcast. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already at Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. And you can find us live every weekday from Washington, D.C. at 1 p.m. Eastern Time at Bloomberg.com. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.